Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. Right. Super Bowl, the World Series, they don't know what pressure is. In this building, it's either kill or be killed. You make no friends in the pits and you take no prisoners. One minute, you're up half a million in soybeans, and the next, boom. Your kids don't go to college and they've repossessed your Bentley. Are you with me? Hello and welcome to Turner's Take Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Turner, author of Turner's Take Newsletter. I'm a broker here at Stonex. I specialize in the grain and oil seed markets, but my team around me here, they we also have experts in the energy markets, um, plastics, interest rates, livestock, uh, fertilizer, you know, anything really to do in the uh, in the commodity markets. If you have any questions for me, you can call 800-958-9470. You can also email craig.turner at stonex.com. If you want to check out the newsletter, just go to turnerstake.com. Not only will you get a trial of Turner's Take, you can take a look at our market intelligence, and um, which has really improved lately. We have some very interesting dynamic um, you know, tools, charts, and graphs there for uh, supply and demand exports imports crop conditions it's very good so you can uh, you can kick that off by going to turnerstake.com uh, if you like the podcast please give us a positive review uh, on iTunes that's how a lot of people find us we'd appreciate that and uh, and yeah and if you're a client we need to talk about anything you hear on the podcast or in the newsletters or whatever it may be you can always give my cell phone a call or shoot me a text. So let's get into it here. We are going to go over a little bit of the macro markets, and then I'm going to get into grain and oil seed. Um, I'm going to be putting out a client webinar soon and go over what the the we think the acreage mix is going to look like, or what the price to you know the price ratios need to look like to to kind of bring the acres in line. Um, and then probably later on this month or December, we'll most likely have a public. Uh, webinar, maybe like a month from now. Um, let me go over some of the same topics or put out a report. But um, for uh, for our clients here, for my clients here, look for uh, that notice to come out in the next week or so. Because, um, and we'll get to it in a second. We'll talk about it kind of broadly. Um, things need to change, you know, for uh, for acreage and um, for the acreage mix here for next year. And prices are gonna have to move to start to reflect that. Regardless. Macroeconomics. Last this week we had the Federal Reserve. What did they? They had their meeting Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, at the end of the meeting, Chairman Powell. I don't think there are any huge surprises there. I think they're a little bit more concerned about the economy um, than they had been. I think that you know they said you know basically kept up the messaging of interest rates will be higher, meaning not going up, but staying elevated from where they've been for the past 10 years. So higher for longer has kind of been the, the tagline here. Higher meaning hanging around this 5.5 to 5.5 rate. And for longer, you know what the Fed is saying all through 2024 and then not really coming down again until 2025. And a lot of this has to do with inflation. They need to get inflation in check. Uh, the employment situation is fine. There's no, at the moment, unemployment 
percentages. I mean, are we like 4% or something like that? Um, we're not, it's not gangbusters on growth, but we're not in recession. And so then you take a look at inflation and inflation's still an issue. Might as not be as bad as last year, but it's not where it has been historically or not around that 2% target that they want. So that is going to be, you know, that's, that's what we're going to see here. We'll probably, now what is interesting is, let me see if I can find my chart here. You know, the way, so the way the futures and options markets work, the futures markets for the Fed fund rate can kind of give you um, an insight into where the trade thinks interest rates are going to be. So like if I look at the Fed fund rate in the futures market for December, you can say, well, there's an 80% chance that the Fed is going to keep interest rates between five and a quarter and 550. And just the way they're pricing the futures, you can extrapolate maybe there's a 20 percent chance they're in the they have a quarter point raise all right so just to not to get into the nitty-gritty of it but that's how it works you start looking at the fed funds rate in the futures market um and you know what what that's priced at you know, there's this thought that you know interest rates will stay at this level let's say for the next three meetings through the march when you get into mid 2024 the Fed funds rate futures market is starting to price in a rate cut. Now, what's interesting is they did that last year too, and the rate cut never came, right? So anyone betting on that or thinking that um, lost. But there is this kind of market sentiment then when we do get to mid-2024, we could see a quarter um, a quarter rate. Um, and if, what's really interesting is by the end of 2024, the market is kind of pricing in Rates are eventually the odds on favorite is rates are 450 to 475. Personally, I, I if you listen to the Fed, that's not likely, you know, or that is not their intention. And I think uh, I think what the market is betting on is eventually inflation does come down and unemployment gets worse and the economy gets worse. And the Fed will look at those trade-offs and we'll be looking to probably ease rates by the end of 2024. So it's interesting where the market is kind of pricing things, which they were wrong last year, by the way. Fed kept rates high the whole year. But uh, that is that is how the futures are, are pricing it in. It's interesting. We'll see how that is. But if you're going to take the, the Fed at its word, um, I think now these interest rates are going to stay for a while. It's going to see what happens with Real estate, you're already seeing a big, you're starting to see a pretty big impact on that with uh, with real estate. And you know, just not having cheap money around anymore, you know, affects uh, money flow, you know, into a a lot of a lot of businesses, capital improvement, investments, and stuff like that. Um, but we'll just have to see how that goes forward. The stock market's down about 10%, um, and that 10% area for the moment has seemed to be as a buying area as we've seen money come in and that level be defended. What would be interesting is if we do break through that 10% on the S and P and start making its way down to 20% from high to low, which would be the, which would be a bear market. Um, doesn't look like that's the way it's going to be, but we're definitely 10% off the highs. As far as energy markets go, there are just two things that we really need to address here. One on the crude oil side, we're in the these low 80s for crude oil prices. Um, demand has been okay for 
gasoline hasn't been great and demand for heating oil and diesel is picking up crude oil we are producing more crude with less rigs um, and the efficiency of the crude oil and drilling that exists has been actually quite impressive so you have bullish and bearish factors in the energy market on the petroleum side with the driving one in the short term seems to be with the news in the middle east um, whether it's things are escalating or they're not um, and that and that's been going back and forth still think crude is a mid 70 to mid 90 type market right now uh, and if we do drop below 80 it's probably i mean unless there's some kind of major us or global recession um you know opec is going to keep production low and i do think they will support prices in the 70s so that looks like a value area but on the charts here if it gets up into the 90s um stiff resistance stiff resistance in the 90s until you get real strong economic growth, which we are just not there yet. So that's that's the state of the energy market, in my opinion. What I also find interesting is natural gas. And if natural gas, if it, it's a very seasonal market, if it gets cold and just go to keep it, you know, and it has been getting colder, natural gas can go to four bucks in the in the winter months. Um, if you get another situation in Europe where Russia shuts off gas to Europe, it could go even higher. But for now, natural gas looks like a for the winter contracts, a three to four dollar market. If you are trading it or need to hedge it, um, I would use that three to four dollar range, um, depending on the month. You can use the support lines on the on the chart there, but there's nothing to suggest winter natural gas in terms of the production side should go below three, and you could be four four and a half on some very cold if if the weather gets very cold um and that's what we'll be that's what we'll be looking at here now we, i've been talking about price ranges here it's kind of been on my mind because of the grain markets so turner's take is and stonex will be putting out probably a report in december on where we see like yields and pricing and possibilities um and we'll have a client webinar on that probably in the next week or two probably a couple of weeks before that report gets gets released but just to give everyone kind of an idea like a very high level um so corn here's the thing corn is at 480 470 um it's hard to get bullish about corn right now we're gonna have based on the last wasi report we're going to have an ending stocks of over 2 billion. We're going to have a stock to use of close to 15%. We're going to have a days of supply of 54. And honestly, if everything was in a vacuum and this was 2019, corn would be under $4. Now that can't happen. One, inflation, but two, soybeans are tight. There are parts of the wheat market that are tight. We do have inflation. There is still issues in the in the middle, you know, in the um, in the Black Sea, right? Black Sea is a big exporter of grain, and there's so when you add in all those things, you know, instead of corn being 380 or 480, something like that. Um, and I'm not saying we're going back down to the old lows, um, but you know, 
you can make the argument we're not here and you know what are price relationships all and let's also talk a little bit about price relationships so if corn is going to be burdensome and the crop did look like it was pretty good and soybeans are going to be tight because you know 200 and change on the carryout whatever that final number is being we're still talking about a five or six percent carry out um, stock to usage and you know i think i was looking on twitter here people are talking about the corn to soybean ratios where should we be honestly i historically it's a 2.3 to 2.4 when you've got so many soybeans and corns tight you can get an extreme level of two to one soybeans corn um when things are very tight beans and burdensome corn you can get three to one you know, beans over corn. We're more likely to go to that three to one than that two to, you know, two to one, first of all. And I want to say, depending on, you know, if you're looking at old crop or new crop, we're somewhere between 2.6 and 2.8. Um, we need to have, if South America has a monster crop, then maybe, maybe we're fine, you know, year over year on the production for soybeans. But if they don't, and if just average, they do have weather issues, and there are some pot weather issues popping up in South America, um, they need to have more soybean acres and less and less corn. And then to what degree, you know, we'll we'll you know, we'll continue to talk about that. But the market needs to price that and encourage it, because here we are in November, and these are the things that you know between now and March, this is what's going to be starting to be looked at. Um, when I take a look at the wheat market, there are some arguments earlier in the year for wheat acres to go to 49 and a half, basically, which is what they were for this past growing season. And then for next year, and I've seen ranges between 49 and 52. I've seen people argue, argue for 48. Um, Trendline yield for wheat next year, I'm going to guess it's going to be around. 49 to 50. Um, and depending on the acres and how things actually really go, you can get some very big swings in the wheat market in terms of production and ending stock and carryout for the 2024 and 2025 year. Um, what's very interesting is the conversations that I'm having is with December corn being above $5 um, and Farmers are looking at their inputs and they're looking at the margins that they could start locking in. I was thinking corn acres would need to come down significantly. And I don't know if that's how it's going to pencil here. Um, we There is a possibility that corn acres stay higher than maybe what the market is, is pricing in. Um, and if that's the case, these soybeans and wheat have to fight for acres. You can make the case. I, I'm I mean I'm I'm making the case you know in it in it now as I'm looking at my spreadsheets and and writing this up. So it you know what do you do on the on the you know on the spec side and the trader side? Um I would think soybeans continues to gain on corn especially in the in the new crop area and for soybeans we need to have over 50 million acres i think 50 or more with a trend line yield 
just to get back to adequate stock levels. Like in the economist, the economist point of view, just by chugging the numbers with you know zero preference included from you know a farmer or how things actually work down the farm. This would just be from USDA Washington, you know, USDA Washington DC um, economist office, right? Going through the numbers, seeing what makes sense the most in terms of uh, adding what acreage mix gets you the best um, best mix of supply and prices. Just that mathematical formula suggests something. I mean, it suggests something like 51 wheat, 80, 88 to 89, both corn and soybeans, like that kind of mix, right? And it seems unrealistic in reality, but I'm just from the the pure mathematical economist equation for it. That's kind of where you are. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think some things are going to turn out a little bit differently here. So I wouldn't be surprised to see soybeans rise against corn and wheat. I don't you know, wheat should stay elevated for Kansas City. I mean, for um, for Minneapolis, um, Canadian prices are very strong. U.S. spring wheat demand is strong. So you've got Canada and the United States for spring wheat having good demand. And I would say in terms of basis, I think the Canadian wheat is outperforming and it's a high protein wheat and there's not a, there really aren't that many substitutes for it. Now, the Kansas City wheat crop, the yields were just so much better than everyone thought they'd be that, you know, six months ago, I thought Kansas City would be the tightest of the three major wheat crops here in North America that trade on the border trade. Uh, no, I, it's actually going to be the loosest now. Um, it is shocking how how much better the yields were for Kansas City after all the weather problems they had. So with that said, and we've also seen a lot more demand for soft red winter wheat because it has been priced so competitively in, in the export market. So you can make the case, depending on if we have low 50s or high 40s for acres and wheat and where that yield ends up coming in, we still have scenarios in wheat where you could be very realistically be tight, adequate to burdensome, how things shape out over the next uh, eight to 10 months. Meanwhile, with corn, you're going it, to, it's hard to get tight. It's hard to get back to tight stocks in corn um, unless we drastically reduce acres. And at $5, these 24 corn and the inputs where they are kind of don't see it. So I think that's going to be an interesting development here uh, on the oil. So for the grain markets, kind of bearish, still kind of bearish on corn. But the thing is, corn is pretty low right now. And it's diff it's difficult for corn to make its way down to four bucks if soybeans are going to be 13 and wheat's going to be like six, $7. So what that ends up happening is it keeps corn elevated. It keeps corn at 460, 470, 480 um, with the potential to rally into the fives with weather issues or some kind of pickup demand. If the United States eventually becomes the cheapest corn out there on the global export market. What is interesting is that at some point, the high price of soybeans and wheat attracts the acres that it needs. And during one of these cycles, 
grain cycles, which it could be this year. It could be the 2024 production year cycle. You eventually do get adequate stocks in soybeans and wheat again. And when that happens, corn shouldn't be in the high fours, right? Soybeans could come down a dollar or two. Wheat could come down a dollar, dollar fifty. If we go back to adequate to burden some stock levels, not tight anymore. And then that allows corn to drift lower because we're already at adequate to burden some stock levels with corn. It, you know, it's just that it allows it to drift lower. So in some cases, soybeans and wheat kind of get held back a little bit by corn. While corn isn't allowed to drop down to maybe where you would theoretically think it'd be trading because soybeans and wheat are kind of keeping it afloat a little bit. And that is really the state of the grain market and oilseed market right now. Now, in terms of oilseeds, not just soybeans, but also canola, um, the canola production is going to be bigger than we thought. It It's harder to get information out of Canada than it is in the United States. I think that's Canada does a good job but they don't do it as they don't release the reports as frequently as the USDA does, especially for major updates on supply and demand. Um, but you know, there, that being said, Canada does a lot better job than a lot of other countries. Um, I think we get a little bit spoiled here with the frequency of the USDA updates. Um, as far as canola goes, the exports are concerning. So for the, for those of you that don't, canola as much one it's the they're planting you know canada plants the united states plants i say over 70 percent of acres here in the united states are corn soybeans and wheat and it's pretty similar in canada with how it goes to canola and spring wheat with you know probably corn being the commodity of choice in the united states uh Canola is the commodity of choice, let's say, in in Canada. Um, it's probably the the one that has, has the best margins. Just how, just so I like, you know, in Illinois and Iowa, if you can really um, out yield on the corn market, it's probably going to pencil the best for you. So there has been, you know, decent amount of canola acres. The 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 yields are better than expected. What's interesting is the crush is the crush. They're going to be at about nine. 10 million metric tons on the crush and domestic use and that's just going to increase as uh as the as bio biofuel demand increases what is interesting is the exports and something that we really got to keep an eye on here is exports for canola have been way down um and off to a very slow start you know usually in years past they would produce about 20 million tons of canola nine to ten are crushed nine to ten are exported maybe they have a one or two left over at the end of the year and we repeat the cycle um but the exports are underperforming i mean if you just looked at the i mean if you just looked at the pace you would think they have five million metric tons of exports instead of you know nine to ten that is concerning and what the reason i'm bringing that up is that could weigh on oil seeds also with soybeans um, you know, soybeans have been okay on the exports, but let's face it, China is buying as much as possible from, you know, in oil seeds from South, from South America first and in the grain markets, not just South America, but also Ukraine. 
um, whether it be wheat or corn. So, and then with Canada, China's been buying Australia or European oil seeds, you know, in terms of rapeseed or sunflower. So there is this demand issue, and you know that's uh, that's kind of popping up. I've seen some interesting analysis of it. Somebody put out a report or a webinar that thought uh, canola exports could be four million to five million metric tons this year, which would be the equivalent of chopping corn or soybean exports in half, which we saw during the tariff wars and the swine flu in China, um, where they wiped up like half their hogs. You know. That mean, I don't think that's going to happen. I was surprised to see that report or or, and, or hear about it. Um, it was secondhand, but it was from a kind of like a a sponsored webinar presentation up there. Um, it would be shocking to see that, but you know, you do look at the canola market here, and it has been it has been weak. So there are things just to keep in mind. I think. All when it's all said and done, we're gonna have to the price structure in these markets are gonna have to encourage soybean acres, encourage spring wheat and soft red winter wheat acres, discourage corn and hard red winter wheat acres. Um, that and that's where and that's where I think we're going, and I think we're gonna have to for farmers we have to set our marketing plans uh plans around that so that's where we are um if you have any questions for me about what i do here and how i work with clients i'm happy to talk anytime otherwise i hope everyone has a great week uh if you're a client take be on the lookout for some of the webinars that we're going to be doing for everyone else we are going to be doing our corn and soybean outlook report this year um and if you are in and i will be traveling a little bit next week so um it's the kickoff of our of our travel. I will be in Saskatchewan. I'll be in Saskatoon and Regina next week. Um, it'll be part of my November travel. Pretty much travel once a month throughout you know, North America between now and March. Um, I'll be in Nebraska in December. I mean, Kansas City and also Iowa in January. There's some other stuff going on in Feb and uh, Feb and March being commodity classic and I get to South Dakota and get to Illinois and ha hopefully Indiana within these next six months. So um, yeah, be on the lookout for that too. All right, everyone have a great week. And uh, again, check out turnerstake.com. Uh, appreciate you listening to the podcast. My number is 312-706-7610. And follow me on Twitter at Turner's underscore take. Thanks very much. This material is conveyed as a solicitation for entering into a derivatives transaction. This material has been prepared by a Daniel Trading broker who provides research market commentary and trade recommendations as part of his or her solicitation for accounts and solicitation for trades. Daniel's Trading, its principals, brokers, and employees may trade in derivatives for their own accounts or for the accounts of others due to various factors such as risk tolerance, margin requirements, trading objectives, short-term versus long-term strategies, technical versus fundamental market analysis, and other factors, such trading may result in the initiation or liquidation of positions that are different from or contrary to the opinions and recommendations contained therein. Past performance
performance is not necessarily indicative of future performance. The risk of loss in trading futures contracts or commodity options can be substantial, and therefore, investors should understand the risks involved in taking leveraged positions and must assume responsibility for the risks associated with such investments and for their results. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources. You should read the risk disclosure accessed at www.danielstrading.com. Daniel's Trading is not affiliated with, nor does it endorse any trading system, newsletter, or similar service. Daniel's Trading does not guarantee or verify any performance claims made by such systems or services.